0: Welcome to TLC's Trauma Pod, the trauma podcast hosted by the Lincoln Center for Family and Youth in Audubon, Pennsylvania. The Trauma Pod is a safe place to discuss trauma in all its forms and find meaningful transformational change to healing and growth. Our mission at the Lincoln Center is to transform lives and communities through education, coaching, and counseling. At our core is how we implement our values into our mission every day with our clients and students. We utilize four core values authentic engagement meaning making personalized support and stimulated curiosity our podcast will seek to authentically engage you to make meaning stimulate your curiosity and aid you in finding personal support and connection in each of the podcasts we provide we thank you for joining us at the lincoln center's trauma pod podcast Hi, and welcome to the Lincoln Center's first trauma pod podcast. My name is Amy Yetter. I'm the Director of Community Counseling, Coaching, and Training at the Lincoln Center for Family and Youth. And today we are going to be talking about radical psychological flexibility in a continually changing world. And we're going to start out with some basic assumptions, which we'll repeat each time, which are things will work out because I have the ability to handle difficult situations. Number two, if I don't know what to do, I know how to utilize my support systems around me to gain the knowledge. Number three, if I am unable to obtain the knowledge from others, I can learn though it may take time. Number four, I am a fallible human being. I forgive myself for my humanity and allow myself the grace in order to learn and gain success number five laughter in trying times allows us to continually forgive ourselves and others and number six the only way to fail is to give up today we welcome eric scroggen who is a licensed behavioral specialist and school-based counselor at the lincoln center for family and youth he has over 10 years of experience working in the mental and behavioral health field with children, adolescents, and their families to improve outcomes. Thank you for joining us today, Eric.
1: Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me.
0: So what as we talk a little bit about what radical psychological flexibility is, are you familiar with the term radical flexibility and how it's used?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I was taught or had originally learned this term as radical acceptance, but the flexibility piece makes a lot of sense.
0: Okay. So for our listeners, radical flexibility, uh, it's a term often used by workplaces to offer employees the power to structure their own work life. So it's utilized in companies um, such as Google and um, I believe Apple as well. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they kind of cater to each one of their employees so that they can allow themselves really the self-knowledge to work at their best capabilities.
1: So you're saying it's flexibility on part of the company with its employees, allowing them to kind of call their shots of when they come into work or how they do their work.
0: Right. It's a little bit more external than it would be internal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so thinking about that external uh, radical flexibility, I kind of had the notion that radical psychological flexibility as mental health clinicians um, would be defined more as living in the here and now, mm-hmm. uh, which many of uh, clinicians know what that means, but really it's being present mm-hmm. um, while allowing for changes to occur naturally in your surroundings. Um, you may define this more as like a go with the flow, um, or you could even say it would be like an elevated state of patience and flexibility with an ever-changing world. And in a COVID-19 world that we're living in now, sort of at the six-month mark here, as we're recording at the end of September in 2020, um, we are constantly dealing with the flexibility of an ever-changing world with an illness that we ourselves as individuals living within the society cannot control. So what would you say, as a mental and a behavioral health therapist, um, how does that apply to you and some of the work that you do do you buy into this theory of radical psychological flexibility? Um, and what do you think about it?
1: Well, great. So the the concept of radical acceptance or radical psychological flexibility is the individual's ability to look at a situation and say, what, what about this can I change? Sometimes very little. And what about this can't I change? Sometimes a whole lot. And if you realize that there's a lot about a situation that you can't change, then the thing that must change is how you see and accept the situation for what it is. Sometimes we have the belief that we can force an outcome to happen. But when you add more variables, and of course, if you add more people, you really can't make the world exactly as you like. So working with counseling clients or students in the school, sometimes a school might change a rule or a teacher might give the student a grade they didn't agree with, this would be a great time for radical flexibility in saying i did everything that i could that's behind me i performed as well as i possibly could have given the circumstances i received a grade that i wasn't happy with and now i'm going to take that accept it and try to move on and take the lessons from maybe what i felt like i could have done better and instead of beating myself up for it i'm going to apply that to the future situation
0: Okay. That was a great example, especially as it comes to our kids in school right now. Um, How are you seeing students, um, as you're talking to students coming back to school, Mm -hmm. how are you dealing with students who are particularly non-flexible? You know, I know in in your past work, as we've talked before this, um, you've worked with students on on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so flexibility may actually be a really difficult term for children adolescents adults on the spectrum Mm -hmm. Um, and even though we try to adopt um, sort of teaching them flexibility through um, transitions and other things that may be more difficult what would you suggest uh, to do in terms of children who may have special needs
1: well i this is a great question uh, and i appreciate what i think I'm, i'm hearing you ask is how do you help students or young people or adolescents or anyone kind of deal with the situation if they themselves are inflexible This might be a great situation where you start to change the narrative of the discussion or the session with that person about uh, where do you feel you can make the most change? You know, I can spend more time studying or I can give this person more space or things like that and emphasize to them, these are the things that you can put your effort into, right? You can't will the situation to be different, right? Um, I've had a situation more recently with, this, with a student where I had to tell them the situation is going to be inflexible with you. You have to demonstrate some flexibility with the situation. And kind of framing it that inside out approach was, I believe, very helpful for that student.
0: That's great. I think as I think about radical psychological flexibility in my own terminology and some of the background that I've had, not only as a therapist, but as someone who has been interested in spiritual studies and and those sorts of things this directly relates for me to the buddhist theory of non-attachment um which for our listeners if you're not familiar with that is the idea that uh, suffering comes from our attachment to not only things but uh, at times uh, our relationships with people and it doesn't mean that you can't have those attachments or relationships but that we identify where the suffering comes from and we attempt to live uh, in a manner that helps reduce that suffering and that in some way or another as we discuss psychological psychological flexibility in terms of of that notion that i just talked about with the non-attachment theory then we can begin to understand how flexibility can actually reduce our pain and suffering in a mm-hmm. current environment like COVID 19. Yeah. what do you think about uh, what I just said about the non-attachment theory.
1: I, I think that these theories align, you know, along the the spine of the idea that suffering comes from the desire of something that you may or may not ever get, and that's right. sort of the Buddhist way of thinking. And that kind of lines up with what you're saying about flexibility, which is I want this situation to go a certain way, but I'm finding that it's not. Most oftentimes. The kind of the conventional wisdom is to tell someone to sort of get over it, right? Or let it go, right? People tell people all the time, you know, let her go, right, let him go, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that that really gets to the core of the matter when you're trying to help someone to detach from the thing that they want. So you might actually really conceive the process of radical flexibility as sort of a grieving process of saying this is what i thought was going to happen right i really put a lot of my hopes and dreams into it happening that way and then now it's not i have to say goodbye and let let go of that uh, which is different than telling someone to let it go
0: right exactly and that's actually bringing up a great point that i wanted to get to which is toxic positivity and for our listeners um a general definition of toxic positivity is comments that are meant to sort of move you forward in a way that doesn't address the problem. Right. So, um, you know, not a lot of people really know what that means toxic positivity. It's a newer term. Yeah, because positivity in general obviously is something that that is by definition positive. But when you discuss it in terms of almost um a brushing over right. or a like you just said let it go that is sort of a form of the toxic positivity I'm discussing. So really, when I say radical psychological flexibility, what I don't mean is being so positive that you don't address the issues you have at hand. It's more about adjusting more quickly and and having the notion of addressing that problem and then moving forward. Right. So in terms of toxic positivity, how would you say that this applies to radical psychological flexibility
1: well i'm reminded in therapy and in conducting counseling with clients and students and families one of the practices that you might find is the therapist or the counselor taking the opportunity and kind of slowing down and looking at a moment right and saying Mm -hmm. look what you just said look at what you just did look at what you just realized sometimes when a person is on their way to letting go of something, you can allow them the space to say, Wow, you are starting to let go of this idea. You are starting to grieve the plans that maybe you had that were ruined by COVID. Right. As opposed to this idea of almost strong arming or kind of peer pressuring a person to get to that point. Therapy often is this art of massaging the person. Mm-hmm to sort of arrive at these things themselves. So toxic positivity is sort of almost like um, trying to skip to the end and saying, Hmm. this is where you're supposed to be. Why don't you just get there? And you you hear people a lot of the times who are suffering from mental health say, I think the people in my life don't tend to get it. They're saying, why don't you just get over it? Or why don't you just go outside and go for a walk? And that's what helps me, right? So... Toxic positivity is also a way of um, letting a person know that you're not aware of their process, where they are and where they need to go, and you're just trying to kind of square uh, that hole a little bit. You're trying to kind of force the situation to be better without actually doing the work.
0: I really like that analogy because I feel like by saying skipping to the end, it still encompasses the idea that... There is positive change right. it just is a process and you know it's a transformative process um and so you can't just turn a caterpillar into a butterfly Correct. you have to go through that process of metamorphosis mm-hmm. and so that's really really interesting i like what you said there
1: right if the the even in the imagery of the butterfly which is one that i think is used quite often we recognize the caterpillar literally dissolves yes and it's not that it grows into a butterfly it becomes something completely else in the middle
0: primordial almost
1: <laughs> <laughs> right and then it reforms into this whole other brand brand new thing and i think that that's a great way of looking at therapy that the middle part is kind of ooey gooey and kind of messy <laughs> right and then at some point you kind of start to see forms and shapes and then you kind of you break out and, and that's that's a really great way of looking at therapy too
0: yeah absolutely now, as we get into sort of our belief systems and how we grow up, um, or even just our personalities, you know, another thing I wanted to address was the fact that you don't need to be without structure to have radical flexibility. Because I know that a lot of people rely on their structure in order to get them through the day. Sure. And so, and structure has its place. Um, it really helps some individuals move, uh, forward Mm -hmm. in a very goal oriented way. Um, and there's some people that don't do well with structure, but this in particular with radical flexibility, I don't think just lends itself to one type of personality. It's more of a, a state of continual transformation is addressing each moment as it comes and remaining in the here and now instead of the anxiety of the future and the depression of the past. And I wonder a little bit about the terms entitlement and humility when we talk about Hmm. radical flexibility. Because I think at times when there's a, a... normal amount of holding on to to these issues that you're defining as grieving. You know, we grieve issues and we move forward. But there's some sometimes where I hear people discuss the words, things that I deserve. You know, I deserved for that to happen to me. And I I really think that when we're discussing radical flexibility, we have to mention entitlement. Um, And on the opposite side of that would be humility, is really saying, um, and with the example you gave about the student, you know, I didn't... I tried the best that I could to get that grade. I didn't get the grade that I wanted. But I'm gonna accept this grade and I'm gonna move forward understanding that maybe I need to be a little bit more humble about either how I studied or, you know, maybe just my approach um in moving forward and, and really learning into the future. What do you think about entitlement and humility's place in radical flexibility?
1: Right. I think that there is There's a healthy type of entitlement, right? Entitlement can mean things like I deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. I deserve my own space. I deserve um, humanity, right? Beyond that, uh, the kinds of things that people tell themselves that they deserve, you have to be very careful with those words because it, it starts to create this idea that the world is set up to kind of provide you with these Uh, privileges or comforts or things that you just wanted. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting things and there's nothing wrong with asking for things. But if you start to get to the point where you tell yourself, I'm going to be very unhappy with everyone around me unless they give me whatever this is, then you're kind of traveling into the entitlement category. And where does radical flexibility fit into entitlement? Where, where, well, you can go into a situation wanting something to go a certain way or wanting to have a certain outcome or whatever, but then realizing, okay, what can I actually affect in this situation? If I can't get that, if I didn't win the lottery, right, then I do need to exhibit some sense of flexibility uh, in, with a situation. Humility, again, is sort of like that. End result, humility is 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 work, right? People, some people are more naturally humble, um, and can knock themselves down a couple of pegs when they need to, if they have to. Um, but humility is an end goal. It's something that when we are at our most fragile, and when we are at our most impatient, and when we are at our most hurt, uh, humility is really hard to access. So when we feel like we've been wronged. The radical flexibility may allow you to achieve humility and and being able to say, like, it's okay that I didn't get this because I won't always get what I want and that's okay. Um, Again, (laughs) I'm talking about skipping to the end. Sure. And um, humility is a process too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think... um... I don't know if our society doesn't do this well or or what specifically Mm -hmm. about this, but I think that accepting failure is really part of our successes. And instead of just seeing failure as negativity, it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to grow into your success. And really, I feel like failure is a part of success. And so if you're able to see the little, little failures and even sometimes larger failures in your life as something that is pushing you along the way to your to your ultimate success. Then flexibility will allow you to grieve those shorter ego responses that yeah. we have and increase our bounce back and our and our resilience in these moments. And that's to me what really encompasses radical psychological flexibility. It's not the idea that we are taking a notion and then just saying get, get over it like you right. said. It's right. accepting, it's understanding it's moving forward, it's being resilient, and it's – I mean, this isn't an easy concept necessarily for most people. No. Um, And it's not something that can be done in its entirety because I think that would be a little too utopian. Um, But I do think that in general we can urge ourselves to get to this place where we allow ourselves to have more flexibility in our lives. And the idea of radical psychological flexibility – might allow you to say, you know what, this is something that would have really, really upset me about Mm -hmm. six months ago. Mm -hmm. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I don't like how this happened. I don't like what happened here. But I'm going to accept that it did happen. And I'm going to figure out what I can do in the future to move positively in these directions of humility and understanding and sort of release some of the entitlement and the expectation that we have and like you said there's a healthy level of expectation and really human dignity you know if we're talking about rights and those kind of things um but then there's the i deserved to have you know, this promotion, or I deserve right. to have this grade, or I deserve to have this girlfriend or whatever it might be.
1: Right. You might replace the word deserve with really wanted. Right. And right. it kind of, a, a kind of achieves maybe some of the same things. So I have a s- story of a young man I worked with in high school, uh, who was a novice to his sport, which is wrestling. And you could tell that there was passion and there was interest and sort of a tackling right this idea of becoming a great wrestler in high school and the more i talk to this young man the more i'm hearing stories about difficulty kind of overcoming the opponent and a uh, feeling kind of put in into his place a little bit kind of um dare i say sort of disappointed right with the outcomes of not always winning every match and Kind of seeing the student over the course of the season, seeing it sort of happen in slow motion, this move towards flexibility and humility, almost being the vehicle for progress and being able to say, it's because I can accept the things that I can't change in this situation that I can then focus on the skills, the practice, what I know that I did wrong, what I know I can do better if I try. And there was this almost overwhelming sense of pride from him and I heard from his family that they saw this transformation from a kid who just tried really hard and maybe felt that he deserved a win early on and then he earned it you know through this process and I, I love this story of sort of triumphing over entitlement towards humility it was such a great kind of Beginning, middle, and end towards this person actually getting what it was that they wanted.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I think one of the things that you really just defined that we've been talking about is the idea that if you reconceptualize that failure, you know that each of those matches that you're talking about would have necessarily been a failure. If they didn't win, then you lost. And that really is how wrestling does work. Then if you're reconceptualizing the idea that I'm most likely going to... Fail this match, but in the meantime, I'm going to take a small success. I'm going to work on this one skill until I get it. Right. I love that story because it really is about working through those those failures and reconceptualizing what a failure is right. into a success. What does it mean? Yeah. Right. And I think that that brings us to um, really the limitations of radical psychological flexibility. We already talked a little bit about um special needs sure but i think especially in today's climate i think we should talk about cultural diversity and how what radical flexibility is not so in my mind radical psychological flexibility is not about issues of dignity or respect right um as you already mentioned but especially in times of challenges or other things that we may be seeing from a diversity perspective from basic human rights and those kind of things, that this does not apply to that. This is more about um, the conceptual of failure and success, right. you know, in our personal lives and our work sure. um, on your goals. But everybody you know. deserves dignity sure. and respect and human rights. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's really important when you define something to define what it isn't um, as well, right. in in order to. Kind of find its place uh, in the theory that it's in.
1: Where you can and can't apply this idea. In in working with young people and adolescents, there is what you might describe as a perceived injustice, right? Mom didn't give me the dessert I wanted, and that's injustice, right? And you have to work with these young people and and (laughs) reframing it as maybe again it's not what you wanted to happen but to describe right. it as an injustice kind of waters down this idea of you know this is a year where we're having a lot of collective conversations around injustice in terms of institutional racism and all of these things and you have marches and you and you have these demonstrations and you and you have these people saying no more you know we have to have dignity and respect and and our bodies are being hurt um by the people who are supposed to keep us safe those are injustices that you don't have to become flexible with right you're allowed to stand up and say i deserve my safety i deserve my personhood um but i might not deserve that cherry ice cream sundae you know that's that's not an injustice right
0: right um and i think especially as we discuss trauma um you know from both a personal and a professional perspective i've been on both sides um of the traumatic story here i think about radical flexibility in terms of my own adolescent um and adult trauma as a way of really developing my resilience as a person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and what i mean by that is that you know most people think that if you've gone to therapy or if you've succeeded um, in completing therapy that you're done, you know, the, the (laughs) ship has come in and you can get off and there you are. You've arrived. When really, you know, the boat is always Mm -hmm. sailing here and you need to continually fix the boat and patch up holes and work on, you know, which direction you're going. And at times it can be exhausting for trauma survivors, um, to think about radical psychological flexibility,
1: you use the word "patch," and I, I, I love that you are taking the boat analogy because for me, I've always seen it as a software analogy, and so you use the word patch. Mm. So you know you've got Amy 1.0, you've got Amy 2.0, <laughs> right. and you patch these things up, you fix the bugs, you look at what's working and what's not working, you improve it, you grow, you increase functionality. you know I, I, I grew up with technology, so it, that made more sense as an analogy, but I like your, I like your ship analogy too.
0: I think it's just something that's always moving as right. well. It's it's you're always in a different environment. Um, the conditions are always different based off of who's around you. Um, and I think it's a, it's important to really let people know um, the honest piece of radical flexibility for me as a trauma survivor is the idea that if I remain flexible, I may be able to. Um, reduce suffering that comes from either post-traumatic stress attacks or anxiety attacks, things that I may have anticipated. I am a planner as a result of my post-traumatic sure, stress. Sure. And as a clinician, when I talk to people about post-traumatic stress, I often will say, you know, at times we cannot prepare ourselves.
1: For, not for so everything. <laughs> the
0: only thing you can do is decide to react in a different manner. And I don't mean um, if you're, you know, having... Deep psychological, you know, issues per se um, right. with your post traumatic stress. That's this is a real diagnosis. I just mean in terms of issues that may cause you further stress or suffering um, as a result of your everyday life. It's
1: right. um, very future oriented, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and while we want to stay in the here and now, you know, and that would be ideal for everybody. Um, it's important to note that coming back to these things is. Um, is a pattern of behavior and sure. it takes a long time to develop those patterns. As a behaviorist, mm-hmm. you know how, what would you say you would see a typical behavior um, needing time-wise in order to develop those skills?
1: Great question. So I was having a conversation with a colleague just the other day about uh, psychological progress over counseling and one of the questions that comes up is what kinds of problems am I seeing happen over and over again? Um, and then you don't necessarily blame yourself and say I'm the reason these things happen, but it does kind of create the dialogue around if I'm going to exert change over myself on in situations in the future, what kinds of problems am I consistently seeing that I need to prepare myself for? So let's say, for example, that you have anxiety and you recognize that there are certain situations that continually put you in that anxious place. Well, you can't control your anxiety. You can't grab it and, and throttle it. You have to be able to say, I can prepare for when these things happen, if they happen. Um, and that's, that's part of the flexibility too, is maybe taking the second or the moment or the couple of moments to say, I'm in this situation where I'm having these symptoms and I'm going to, instead of trying to maybe intellectualize or try to understand it, my flexibility might be in engaging my coping strategy yes. that I know I need to use in this moment, and uh, it's helpful for the person themselves to identify and utilize the coping strategy rather than their friend saying, aren't you supposed to be doing your control breathing now, and aren't you supposed right. to do these things? A person then comes becomes a little more maybe defensive or, or maybe doesn't see that as being effective. So... It's important when you are dealing with psychological challenges and coping strategies that you realize that maybe the flexibility, all the flexibility you can muster, is just pivoting from noticing the symptom to utilizing the coping strategy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think this has been a great conversation. Yeah. Um, and I really thank you for joining us today. Um, I know we both are colleagues, but also partners as well. So, you know, as. As a result of COVID, this was a perfect opportunity sure. for us to start this podcast. Um, so we hope that you'll come back and join us again for lots of you. discussions with regards to um, behavioral and mental health. And thank you so much. As far as our listeners are concerned, if you have any questions or you'd like to leave any comments, you can email me at a yetter at the We love to hear what you have to say about radical psychological flexibility and we look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for joining us at the Trauma Pod podcast hosted by the Lincoln Center for Family and Youth.